You've got to think differently. And started menopause at 30. Now he's got a roaring bone. Just because you have some challenges doesn't mean you're not fabulous. The doctor walked in and he said, cross everything except your legs. The romance takes place in, the, in a Petri dish. The dusty old eggs. They're not genetically mine. But people forget that other people are really struggling. Choosing our donor. No one talks about it because they feel bad or they feel shame. I genuinely did not like kids. See, your sperm's great. My uterus is pretty good. It seems to be the semen that don't like to cooperate. Everyone, I'm pregnant! With all the hardships of suffering from infertility, you can't just focus on the struggle. Sometimes we need to take the best out of a bad situation and think of the upside. On this episode, it's Clinic Confidential, tales from an anonymous source. Though there are obviously soul-crushing parts to the infertility process, sometimes you need to have a laugh to stop you from crying. Enjoy the journey and reminisce about the lighter moments because, hey, wanking stories can be funny. There's a lot of darkness surrounding fertility. It's, there's a lot of doom and gloom, and I think people feel quite uncomfortable when they talk about the injections and, and the testing and the losses and things like that. And I wanted to find a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. It can be quite funny. Hilarious. Um, my husband and I were in the waiting room the other day, and one of the nurses walked past, and I saw his face kind of light up and gave her a little, you know, a nod. And I said, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, we had a wank together. <laughs> And I was like, that's brilliant, that's brilliant. So you've been in the industry for 15 years, you uh -huh. must have some ripping stories. Yeah, look, some real classics. Um, uh, first one comes to mind is a, a couple that came down from, um, from the country. Uh, and a lot of country patients, when they come to the city for their cycles, will stay in the city. And the reason being, obviously, because if you're having injections every day, having your bloods done, having ultrasounds done, you don't get those services in the country. Um, so yeah, this couple came down staying at a, at a hotel and um, remember, the as we spoke about before, the guy's job's pretty easy. All he has to do is have a bat and that's it. Provide a sample. You poor girls have to go through perimenopausal state, you know, your hormones going everywhere, your breasts are tender, you're crying at the drop of a hat, you're, all those types of things all thrown into one intense couple of weeks while you're having your, having your treatment. Um, and you'd think that it would be nice and easy, but for guys to perform under those circumstances, time is critical, yeah? So by the time that you, um, you know, she's had her eggs retrieved in theater, uh, the guy's got to provide a sample. He's got to do it by a particular time. We take both her eggs and his semen into a lab. We light some candles. We put on some waka waka music <laughs> and uh, the romance takes place in, the, in a Petri dish. But um, yeah, so for guys that have to perform, sometimes that can be a real issue. So um, this particular uh, example is a guy who um, wanted to provide a sample in his hotel room. And there's actually a lot of studies that show that guys are able to perform that task in a hotel room uh, better, quicker, faster than any other environment when it's self-pleasure. So when a guy's having a tug, then, you know, hotel. To the point where in the US, there are actually a lot of... Um, clinics who have actually designed their semen collection room within the clinic itself based on the appearance of a hotel room. So it's like a three-quarter bed, it's got a mini bar, it's got a tea, like the whole thing, it's mapped out. So then they walk in, oh, this looks like a hotel room. And that's the, the um, psychology behind it. So this guy wanted to provide a sample on his own in his hotel room. And you've got to remember also that when providing a sample, you can't use, you cannot use lubricants and you can't use saliva. And the reason being is because it contaminates the sperm. 
This guy's gone hammer and tong for will be 25, 30 minutes. Remember that he's on a time schedule because his wife's just coming out of theater. Uh, we had a call and he said, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to provide a sample. Can I come and use our designated semen collection room? Um, so I, you know, we checked the um, schedule. It was, it was free. He says, yeah, sure, come on in. Fortunately, he wasn't too far away from the clinic. Now, remember, he's been going 25, 30 minutes now, raw, <laughs> skin on skin, no lubricant. <laughs> And he comes into the into the room, and we've got, you know, TV. And essentially, they it plays twenty four seven porn. That's all it does. Yeah, you know, so it's an extra motivation for the guys. Um, so he's in there for another 20, 25 minutes, and he's meant to ring a bell, and um, that would indicate that he's completed the task, <laughs> provided his sample. Uh, the embryologist come and collect it from him. Away he goes. So um, he rings the bell, and we're all thinking, brilliant. And he's going, oh, I've got to go back to the hotel room again. I'm going. Oh, Okay, so off he trots to the hotel room. Um, and, you know, interesting, he just had his tracky dacks on, um, a bintang singlet, thongs, <laughs> <laughs> clearly free balling. <laughs> and so off he goes to the hotel room. So now he's been going for around about 50 minutes to an hour, skin on skin, no lubricant, something. So what happens is um, you have uh, what they call vasoconstriction, vasodilation. So the way that a guy gets erection is he gets excited, the um, uh, blood vessels in his in his penis vasodilate on the way in, yeah. So that just fills the the spongy tissue gorge with um, <laughs> with blood, and on the vein uh, the veins on the way out or the blood vessels on the way out they're restricted vasoconstriction. So obviously if you've got a flood coming in and a really tight restriction coming out, it's going to stay in there longer, which keeps your erection. The problem is your um, your nerve endings and your senses in any part of your body, when you have pain, pain is a stress. So it's like the body goes, right, I need to get extra blood there and blood. So you go from vasoconstriction on the way out to vasodilation. So you can't keep an erection, essentially. <laughs> so within an hour, he would absolutely, his pain senses would be kicking in. So he's going for another 25 minutes or so back in the <laughs> hotel room and he rings and he goes, I'm, I'm, I'm just not having any joys. Is the room available again? Um, fortunately, it was available. What did he think, though? Changing locations. I mean, obviously, the porn on his phone is better than what's in the, you know, in a clinic. It was just a change of environment. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. It's, and again, performance anxiety. I don't know. You'd have to ask him the question. <laughs> I've got no idea. So when he comes back in, by that stage, I've gone down. I've gone to pharmacy and collected a couple of little blue tablets to help us for him. <laughs> Smarties, no, it's not easy. Like that. I basically got him a couple of Viagras because I knew what he would be going through this stage. So I gave him a couple of Viagras and um, obviously they kicked in, but that's going to give him between three and six hours of an erection. Um, but funny enough, when he comes in this time, he goes, how's my wife traveling? And I said, well, I'm, I'm assuming she's out of theater by now. She'd be in recovery. And he's like, is there any chance we can get her up here as well? I'm thinking... She's like half comatose at the moment. She's coming out of a light anesthetic. She's not going to be able to, you know, perform wonders for you, I'm sure. Anyway, he was very Has insistent. It, hasn't she done enough? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So he was very insistent. So no problem. So the poor girl, she, um, she, they wheel her. She's in a wheelchair. They roll her in. Draw hanging out like a head's like to one side. 
And we wheeled her into the room. Anyway, about I don't know what happened, but about 15 minutes later, you hear this whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> the buzzer's going off and he's performed the task. And I'm thinking, this is fantastic. And I've got no idea. But um, And the clinic at that stage, you've got two exits. You can either go back down the main part of the clinic or you can go through like an escape door down the main corridor of the hospitals slash specialist rooms, et cetera, and leave. Anyway, so as he was leaving, um, he was wheeling his wife, who was obviously feeling a little bit better now. Again, I've got no idea how they got the result <laughs> he did. But um, as he's walking out, remember, he's been going for nearly an hour and a half now, and um, he's got two braggers. So now he's got a roaring boner. Yep. This thing would be throbbing because of the pain receptors. <laughs> But he's got this for the next six hours. And um, he stuck his head in the door. And again, you know, he's got his tracky dacks on free balling. And he just looked down and he said, what the hell am I meant to do with this? And it was literally a scene out of, you know, American Pie, whatever, one of those things. He's got this, he's got this raging. Pitching a tent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I said, look, you've got six hours. You could probably go home and put it to good use, you know, once your wife's feeling better. <laughs> and I was said, you know, tongue in cheek. And he goes, oh, has the hospital got a burn gin? <laughs> so, I don't know what happened beyond that. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was hilarious in, in the fact that, um, yeah, performance anxiety 101, very funny. I love that. And hopefully they don't have to do another egg collection because that's just going to be traumatising moving forward for them, I'm guessing, yeah. doing that again. Yeah, and I, don't, I can't recall the, the outcome, whether they fell pregnant at that particular stage. But, um, yeah, so... Um, how many? How much semen do you think misses the cup? You know, like, you know, the room... I'd love to go in there with a blue light and just uh, see. We did. We went with ultraviolet light and i got to have a word. Well, we should have had a word to the cleaners because, man, it's everywhere. <laughs> it's, like, I, guys are bragging, but it's like it's on the roof. <laughs> it's, it's, they grab it and... Ch- I've got no idea. But, um, yeah, ultraviolet light in those rooms is... Uh, <laughs> My husband said it was quite, he was fine. He got it done. No, no problem. Um, but it felt a little bit like, you know, like a dentist chair. Like it's plastic and it's a little bit. So I, I agree with the whole US thing of making it more homey. Absolutely, yeah. And and there's, there's like I said, there's there's actually um, clinical papers based on, um, like they do say if you do go to a hotel room, um, the cover on the bed, you're best taking that off at the earliest opportunity because that is the dirtiest part of of the bed you know like again if you had an ultraviolet light no matter what level five star four star whatever you don't but um yeah so these studies um came out and it was literally bar fridge with they don't have to access it but they've got beers and whatnot in there and yeah they could access but it's the whole sense and the whole um psychology and the sensory load of being just a clinical environment I don't know, maybe there's a lot, there, there might be something in the psychology as well as to what, you know, you're producing in a clinical environment versus, you know, laid back. Mm. <laughs> the only thing missing was a cigarette and <laughs> some music, I don't know. <laughs> so you do have the option to to have a wank at home and bring it in. Yep. You've got to be you've got to be quick. And there's some conditions around how you bring it in, how quick you do, you know, keep it warm, all that yep. kind of stuff. Absolutely. So um, at the time, the instructions that the patients were given were very, very clear. So they got one of those sample jars, the ones with the yellow lids on. Yep. At that stage, they spoke about, you know, no lubricants, no saliva, as we mentioned before. Again, because it contaminates the sperm. And there is a real timing issue because if you don't get the sample, so if you're at home, if you don't get it in within 25, 30 minutes 
um, it impacts on the, um, the semen. So the semen is made of sperm and seminal fluid. So the seminal f fluid will um, you know, potentially coagulate. Um, that has an impact. And also there's a, um, uh, one of the embryologists one day was talking about some, some chemical imbalance or some chem chemical reaction of some kind if it's, if it's not in a vaginal environment, et cetera. Um, because again, there's a, I can't recall exactly what the chemical reaction is, but um, when semen enters the vagina, because we know that the female um, environment vaginally is acidic, very I wish acidic. people could see your hand gestures, <laughs> your movements right now. <laughs> so the female environment is acidic. We know that. And the reason for that is we want to keep bugs and nasties out. That's the whole idea of it being acidic. To counter that, this, the seminal fluid is alkaline. Yeah. That's why, you know, pineapple juice and all the asparagus and all that can <laughs> supposedly have an impact. So, um, but there's actually a, a chemical reaction that takes place when the alkaline hits that acidic. Um, a significant uh, portion of the sperm obviously killed off but then it's neutralized and that's when the the sprinters go and we know that um, well, studies have shown that the sprinters are generally the male chromosomes and the the long um the marathon runners that take a bit long <laughs> the female ones so anyway the instructions are there and they're very clear and one of the instructions um on the list is once you provide a sample it's really important that you keep it at body temperature for obvious reasons. We don't want that co coagulation to take place, etc. So um, the instruction is once you've provided your sample in the cup to wrap it in, to wrap the sperm in alfoil or paper toweling, and then you stick it in your pocket and you get into the clinic as quick as you can. So one day, um, the girls, <laughs> oh God, I picture this as clear as yesterday. The girls are all in there having their bloods done in the morning, right? And um, the guys can come in. If they get it in early, we can, well, in those days, the, the clinics could actually store them for a period of time. So they put them in basin and that type of stuff. So the sperm come in. And, but the critical thing is the female once she gets her eggs retrieved. So he picked a time to come in at the busiest really early in the morning. So the waiting room full of um, females. And he comes in up to the front desk. And he's got his, uh, his you know, almost like stealth mode doing a drug deal. Um, I'm here to drop off my sample. <laughs> and the reception girls say, you know, the guys forget. They handle these questions and more all day, every day. Totally. And so um, he comes, he goes, um, I'm here to drop off my sample. <laughs> and the front desk is, I've got women like, you know, pardon? He goes, I'm here to drop off my sample. Anyway, she, oh, you got a sample? And he's like, oh, <laughs> And um, so they ring the bell and the embryologist comes out. Embryologist comes out and um, digs into his pocket and out pulls his sample cup. And the embryologist had a look at a face of bewilderment, surprise and you idiot, all rolled into one, I'm sure. Because the instruction was, you've got to wrap your sperm in alfoil or paper toweling. What would be your... You wrap the you wrap the jar in it. You wrap the jar. Well, yep. he he used paper toweling as an option, but he took it literally, like there was paper toweling inside the jar, <laughs> as though he had wrapped <laughs> his sperm in paper toweling. And I was like, oh, that's brilliant. So we're just going to go along and each petri dish now and just do a little take the paper toweling <laughs> and a little squeeze, a little squeeze, yeah. a little squeeze in each one, and, and that'll be fine. And he didn't get it. So um, yeah, sometimes it was it would have been really good to have a not fit to 
be a, be a parent. parent or not fit to, <laughs> to have children stamp, put it on the folder and away you go. So yeah, um, so any guys out there listening to this, guys, seriously, wrap the outside of the jar, <laughs> paper toweling or alfoil. Keep it, stick it in your pocket and get in there as good as you can. I love that. Hilarious. So literally taking it. Literally. Literally <laughs> to the nth degree. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, look, a couple of real quick ones. Um, uh, we've had couples whom have come in for whatever reason, um, be it international or otherwise, but clearly haven't had sex education in school, um, have been trying for three or four years and have had a physical and the hymen is still intact. They're, they're going in the wrong hole. One would say second hole from the back of the neck versus first hole from the back of the neck. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I recall um, talking to, oh, was it the consultant? I forgot who it was now. But when they went through, like sex is you've got to have it vaginally, um, the sense and, and look of relief on his partner's face, the wife saw the, the female face because clearly she was accepting of the, of the other way. <laughs> first hole from the back of the neck. Um, there was another couple whom um, had been trying for ages. Again, we know that the baby is born in the belly. And his interpretation was that when he come, he'd pull out, come into her belly button and tell her to just lie there for half an hour and don't move. <laughs> Serious. <laughs> and so, we, you know, it's, yeah, it's an education thing as much as anything else. Um, another couple whom... Um, had to lose weight. So weight's a big issue. And maybe we can talk a little bit more of another one um, in terms of the impact of smoking and weight. But this case, a couple came in, uh, Italian I think they were, and we'd identified that she was in, in the obese range and that has an impact. So we said to her, look, all you need to do is you need to lose um, only 5%. And the studies have shown that if you lose 5 to 10% of weight, you can actually, that's your baseline weight. So if you come in weighing 100 kilos, if you lose 5 kilos or 10 kilos, it actually enhances your um, fertility rate by up to 30%. So it's significant, but it's a small reduction. Anyway, so we sat down, put on this program, had a dietitian, exercise physiologist come in. I said, look, reality is all you have to do is, well, four times a week, I think it was, Exercise, you have to get your heart rate up to a certain amount for half an hour to an hour, half an hour to 45 minutes. Come back in three months' time, and then we'll see how you go. And then we can assess it and then maybe put you on an IVF cycle. Comes back in four months' time, it's put on six kilos. <laughs> That's the wrong way. We're going, yeah, the other way would have been all right. Um, what happened? Oh, well, you know, my husband, he likes, I'm not going to do an Italian accent, but my husband, he likes you know, a, a nice cooked meal at the end of the, end of the day. So for the first few or four weeks, two or three weeks, once we got the advice about it, the losing weight, we checked our diet, lifestyle, and every time he came home from work, we'd go for a walk in half an hour. Then what happened after that? Oh, you know, it got a bit cold and, you know, um, a few other things. But then I had to, you know, prepare my husband's meal and all that type of stuff. So the discussion was around, do you understand that if you do fall pregnant, all we asked you to commit to... <laughs> was half an hour, four times a week. If you fall pregnant, become a parent, you understand that you're gonna to have to dedicate more than half an hour, four times a week to a newborn child. And her response was, no, 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 we've got that, 
I got it all sorted. <laughs> what are you talking about? My mother-in-law is going to move in. <laughs> so the whole idea was to have the baby handball off to the mother-in-law. She was going to look after everything. So, Wow, what a, yeah, okay, a good theory. In theory, yeah. So again, it's just, you know, lifestyle is so important. Lifestyle is so important to falling pregnant. Forget about trying to fall pregnant during, um, you know, an IVF or going through fertility treatment. Lifestyle just to fall pregnant naturally is so, so important. And we're going to talk about that in our in an upcoming episode, for sure, yep. unpack that a little bit. Um, why do we need to have a bit of a giggle about this? I mean, it's a serious thing. I'm not trying to take the piss with all the stories I yeah. share. Yeah. Um, and there are people that are super private about the whole thing. Is there any benefit to kind of just having a giggle? Absolutely. You know, um, we spoke about it before. It, it is a stressful, it's a stressful time. It's stressful physically, it's stressful emotionally. Spiritually, it goes to a whole level. Um, so yeah, if you've got to, Treat it with a pinch of salt and, and have fun with it as well. If you think about the whole process, um, you're having injections for two weeks. He's got to have a bat. She's going to be dragged off to theatre. They're going to do a vaginal, transvaginal probe, which is a probe up your vagina with a needle going across your ovaries. You're going to suck some eggs out. <laughs> We're going to get those eggs. We're going to get his sperm, like I said, into a lab, light some candles, put some waka waka music on, and in a lab, we're going to try and create your child. Like it's, there's so much technology and it's so clinical and it's all that, you've got to have some fun. I was constipated after my egg retrieval for about, yeah, it was 10 days I hadn't crapped. So we were booked in for a manual retrieval. And I've gone, nah, nah. I, I sat on the toilet. I think I got Nothing. hemorrhoids and I, I just pushed it until I, I did not want anyone to go up there again. Oh, you know, not my bum, but you know. <laughs> I, everyone had been up there and I was like, no, I can't deal with it anymore. You blew a gasket, did so you? So I ended up doing it and my husband gave me a good clap and he's like, you've done it for 10 <laughs> days. Like, but that was awful. That was all the fentanyl. I had a lot of fentanyl when I came out because yeah. I had so much. And I was laying in, um, in bed and I was so cooked. And I said, this stuff's great. And they're like, oh, you're on fentanyl. And I said, can I get a little take-home bag of that? And they're like, you hear the Cassie wants to take some fentanyl home. And I was like, what's funny? Like, no, you, that's like heroin. No, yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, you've got to be, that's got to be checked out, checked in. 